Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. First Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. Actually, the word gifts in my Bible is italicized because it's not in the original. What it actually just says in the original is now concerning spiritual brethren. We can say instead of spiritual gifts, we can say spiritual things. Now concerning spiritual things. I do not want you to be ignorant. A lot of folks that call themselves Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. But you and I are growing in spiritual things. We're getting educated in spiritual things. We're growing wiser concerning spiritual things. And we're learning to live our lives in a spiritual way. I don't want to just live my life natural. I want to live spiritual. Now that we're spiritually alive, we want to live a spiritual life. It'd be a terrible thing to be spiritually alive. We're singing over here, Jesus is alive. And the whole purpose that Jesus came and died and rose again and is alive is so that you can be spiritually alive. See, Ephesians 2 tells us that you were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead, dead on arrival. But Jesus came and he made you spiritually alive. He didn't just come to give you a ticket to heaven. A lot of people think Jesus just died so that they can go to heaven. Jesus died and took away my sins so that I can go to heaven. No, Jesus didn't just die to take away your sins. Jesus died to take away your carnality. Jesus came and died to take away your sin nature. He came and died to take away your fleshiness. He came so you could be spiritual. So you can move with him, his spirit, in the earth. Praise God. Somebody say, I will not be ignorant of spiritual things. No, we're not going to be ignorant of spiritual things. We're going to be skillful. Skillful in spiritual things. What's the first thing we need to be? What's the first spiritual thing we need to be skillful in? The word. The word. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. And life. Yeah, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. He said it in John chapter 6. They're spirit and life. So we want to be skillful in the word of life because that is the number one spiritual thing that you and I live by. We see that over in Hebrews. Hebrews 5, it says, of whom, verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. That w- that's not good. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. How many people would like to be you know, how many you like to have a guest minister by the name of Apostle Paul come to Life of Faith Bible Church and minister to you tonight? That would be kind of exciting. Huh? Would you, would, you, would you be dull and unable to hear and distracted and bored and tired? And if the Apostle Paul was talking to you, 
think, my Lord, this is the Apostle Paul. Right here in the year 2020. He's come through that time tunnel. He's right here in the house of God tonight. Preaching the word. Man, we don't want him to walk away and say, man, those folks at Life Faith Bible Church, I couldn't hardly say anything to them. They were just dull. I had no utterance. It was just the most toughest place to preach. Wouldn't that be terrible? That'd be an awful thing. Well, it happened here. He said that. He said it was hard to explain these things to you because, not because I was uneducated, not because I was unanointed, not because I was unable, but because you were dull of hearing. See, you got to have ears to hear for the Spirit to speak because He doesn't waste His words. He doesn't just talk. Holy Spirit doesn't waste His words. No, he, He's looking for people that are listening. People that are wanting to hear. And when people want to hear and people are listening, then He's going to talk to them. See, not just in church, but in life in general. See, a lot of folks say, oh God, tell me this, tell me that. But then they're not really putting themselves in a position to hear what he has to say. They're just telling him to talk. But, you know, it's like a guy just yesterday, you know, something happened. And he said, well, why, did, why didn't God tell you that was going to happen? Why didn't God tell you? Well, who's listening? Who's listening? We want to make sure we're listening. We're listening for him. We're listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. But it's hard to do that if you're unskilled in listening. You're unskilled in listening to spiritual things. So how do we become skillful in listening to spiritual things? How do, you, how do you become a good hearer? Skillful at hearing. Well, you take time in the Word of God. You take time in the Word of God and you listen for God. You listen for Him as you read the Word of God. Don't just read the Bible to read the Bible. Read the Word of God to listen. Listen for Him. Listen to what He's saying. And you'll become sharp. You'll start, I see what he's saying there. I see that. Yeah, I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'm getting that. See, we've got too many people being religious. Just reading the Bible to just read the Bible. To say that they read the Bible. To ease a guilty conscience or something. Not really to be spiritual. Not really expecting to hear from him. When, you, when you're expecting to hear from him, you get excited about reading the Bible. If you're not, listen, if you're not excited about reading your Bible, then you really don't believe that he's going to talk to you. Simple as that. If you're not excited about reading your Bible, then you don't really expect him to say anything to you. So you might as well not read your Bible. But if you can understand that it's through the word that he talks to you, and that he'll give you revelation and that he'll teach you things. He'll show you things then, man, you get in there with expectation. You get in there excited, knowing that this is your time with him, and he, God's going to talk to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's going to cause your ears to become tuned into him, become skillful at listening for him. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you become need of milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is what? Unskilled in the word. The word of righteousness. He's unskilled in the word. See? See, we want to be skilled in the word. We don't want to just know the word, have the word. 
believe the word. We want to be skillful in the word of God. Right? The word is likened to a sword. It's called the sword of the spirit. And, uh, you know, you want to be skillful. If you're, if you're a soldier back in the day when they used swords, you want to be skillful at using your weapon. You know, today, you know, we use guns and things like that. And, I mean, if you never went to a, a gun range and, and practiced at all, but you had this gun, it's a good chance you'll, you'll shoot everything but your target. When, when, when trouble arises in life, you just stop blasting holes in the wall. Kill somebody's cat over there. Or like Peter, you know, with the sword. You saw how good he was with the sword. Right? He swung that thing and ended up cutting off the ear of the high priest's servant. I mean, you know, that wasn't very good. He wasn't very good at what he was doing. So we want to be skillful with the word of God. We don't want to be dull hearers. We want to hear it. We want to understand it. And we want to be able to use it so that it actually works for us. And we get so good at using it that it only takes one shot. And it's over. Just, it's over. Our opponent is out. That's what I love about Jesus. He was so skilled, you know. There was no struggling with him. There was no wrestling with Satan and struggling with demons. Jesus would just walk up and say, go. And that was it. Don't you just love that? Go. And you see, see, we have the same authority. I said, we have the same authority because we have his name. We cast out devils in the name of Jesus. So it should happen the same way. But sometimes, you know, we just got to keep shooting because we hit, the, we hit the devil with a, you know, our bullets hit him in the shoulder. Bang, take off half his horn, you know. And meanwhile, we're trying to hit him in the heart, you know. We're trying to or hit him right between the eyes. And it's like, and he, you know, he's getting hit in the legs, his kneecap. But he's, he's still coming. He's still coming. We're not able to put the guy down. It's like, bang, 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 bang. But man, if we were skillful, we would just go, and it's over. Right? Just like David with Goliath. Just right between the eyes. I mean, he was skillful. He didn't get that way just because, you know, he was a kid. He was at the uh, carnival, and he, he found a slingshot, and he won a slingshot as a prize, you know. And, and, uh, and he was just carrying it around his back pocket. It was kind of cool, and. Every once in a while, he'd use the thing, and then all of a sudden, there's Goliath, and he goes, no, I'll just use the slingshot. You know he was practicing and practicing until he was skillful with using that weapon. That's how we need to be with the Word of God when Goliaths come our way, because Goliaths come, don't they? Anybody dealing with a Goliath lately? But we shouldn't be intimidated. I said we should not be intimidated by Goliaths. We should not be intimidated by demons. We shouldn't be intimidated by any trouble that arises in the land or in our life. We should have absolutely no fear of the enemy because we are skilled. We know our weapons. We know the word of God. We know the person of the Holy Spirit. We know his movings and his operations. We know how to connect with him and flow with him. We know how to get the job done. That God's called us to do. So there's no intimidation. There's no fear. There's no worry about anything. I think one of the big problems is, is, 
that uh, a lot of times people are waiting for the Spirit of God to move in their life or through their life in order for something spiritual to happen in their life. And we know that the Spirit of God, he, uh, He's likened to water. And He comes in the form of rain. He comes as a river. He even comes as waves of the sea, waves of the ocean. You know, these are all illustrations describing the Holy Spirit and His moving. And you think about all three of those things. The rain. What about rain? It just falls on you. You don't have to do anything. Right? You don't have to do anything. If it's raining out, I mean, you've got to do everything you can to avoid getting wet. It just falls on you. That's easy. Holy Spirit, when he just falls on you, that's easy. It's easy to be spiritual then. Just like it's easy to get wet when it's pouring rain outside. You just walk out the door. You just walk in church, it's raining. Right? You walk into a special meeting, it's just raining. Certain, certain atmospheres you walk in, and it's just like, you just get wet with the Holy Ghost. The blessing of God just falls on your life, and you're inspired. You're excited. You're motivated spiritually, man. Your spirit is just like, woo, glory. Spirit just wakes right up. You know, kind of like the difference between praying by yourself and praying with a group of people. You know, so you go in there and praying by yourself, and shikala masata, shikala masata. And your words just seem to be bouncing back at you off the walls, you know. And you just feel like it just, it's just you in that room, you know, and you're stirring yourself up that God's here. I know God's here. And you're just praying in tongues. But then you walk into a, 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 walk into a, a place where a group of people are praying. And you join them. And you hear other people praying. And next thing you know, what? Your faith rises up and you get inspired. You get motivated. It becomes more real to you. Because you're getting help. You're getting assistance from other people. And then you think about a river. A river just flows. And so you don't even need a motor in your boat. You get in a river and you're just going to get, the current's going to take you. I've been out in the Ohio River in my boat. And uh, you turn the motor on and next thing you know, you just sit there for a while and you're just, you're you're coasting down. If you just sit there, you're going to end up down by the city before you know it. You know, you're just going to keep going. You're just going to keep going down without, without doing anything, without any work at all. It's just carrying you. Again, no work on your part. Just get in the river of the Holy Spirit, and he just takes you into spiritual things. Next thing you know, you're experiencing spiritual things, and it's effortless. And then again, like a wave of the ocean, his glory can come in and just propel you, just throw you. You know, you get on your boogie board. You get on your surfboard. Or you just body surf, right? And that wave just takes you and just throws you. Effortless. Effortless. When a big wave comes and it catches you, you're going. Same thing with the Holy Ghost. He's just going to take you and he's going to just propel you into blessing. He's going to propel you into spiritual things. And so a lot of times people are waiting for the rain. Or they're waiting for the river. Or they're waiting for the wave of the Spirit of God to just move them and motivate them and inspire them and carry them 
into spiritual things and make them a spiritual person and get spiritual things done in and through their life. And thank God he works that way. He does exactly that. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to church. Because we need the Spirit of God to just take us and, and throw us somewhere, man. Come into the house of God, you're not really with it. And next thing you know, the praise and worship team starts going. Jesus is being exalted. The rain starts to coming down. That might just be a little mist. But still, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Now, you could stay in there until it starts getting heavier. And it really gets, gets to raining. But like I said, a mist of spiritual things is better than just being fleshy. It's just being totally flesh conscious, earthly conscious, earthly minded, all caught up in natural, 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 mundane things. So I'll take the mist of the Spirit any day. But a lot of times people are just waiting for the Spirit of God to work or do something. Do something. You know, over in First uh, Samuel, why don't you go there with me tonight? First Samuel chapter 19. We see a move of the Spirit of God, and I'm excited about a night in the glory this Friday night. I didn't announce it this past Friday service because we were a little uncertain how we're going to, this past Sunday service, because we just didn't know how we're going to accommodate everybody, how that's all going to, how that's all going to work out, but we're going to make it work out. But a night in the glory, God gave us that title. He gave us, he told us to have those kind of meetings because his glory wants to come and manifest in our life and propel us. That's like a wave. I'm looking for the wave of the Holy Ghost Friday night. How about you? But the Spirit of God can get moving in such a mighty, such a powerful way that it's overwhelming. Just overwhelming. It'll just overwhelm your life. We need that. We need times like that. From the presence of the Lord. Where we are overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. Where he takes us places. Catapults us into places. That we can't, we just can't get to on our own. We need times like that. And it can get really, really, really intense. And we see that here in 1 Samuel chapter 19. I think this is an awesome Example of a powerful move of God that just uh, overwhelms people and propels them into spiritual things. Even some of the most carnal, natural, earthly, unspiritual people. Like King Saul. King Saul had, been t- had become totally backslidden and uh, rebellious towards God. And now he's out pursuing David, whom God has anointed to be the next king in Saul's place. And he's determined to kill him. So he's completely in the flesh. So he sends his mercenaries to go out there and find David and kill him. So they hear where he is. Let's see here. uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19 verse 18 It says, so David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah. I had gone to Ramah for two years, actually, so I know exactly what he's talking about here. I escaped and went to Ramah. Escaped from New York. Anyway. 
and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to, to take David. These messengers weren't, you know, it wasn't like the postal service. It wasn't like a UPS driver or something. You know, this is, these are mercenaries. These guys are killers. Go take them. Get them. He sent these mercenaries to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying. And Samuel standing as leader over them. The Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul. And they also prophesied. Now these guys are not spiritual men. And here they are. Totally in the flesh, but there's a move of God taking place at Naoth. Brother Hag, I mean Samuel is there at Ramah with David. And he's up there on the platform. They're having a meeting. And the glory of God is so strong. The glory of God is so overwhelming. The Spirit of God is moving in manifestation in such a powerful way that these murderers, these killers, come in there. They're not coming to hear a word from God. But when they walked in there, the power of God hit them and they were overwhelmed with the glory of God and they too began to prophesy. Now that word prophesy means under influence of divine spirit. Under influence of divine spirit. So they were under the influence of the spirit. That's what happened. In other words, they got intoxicated. They got intoxicated. It doesn't necessarily mean that they were just sitting there going, thus saith the Lord. You know, they were, they were prophesying in their in their actions, not just in what they were saying. No doubt things were coming out of their mouth, maybe psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I mean, they're just overwhelmed with God. And so, so then Saul hears about it. Verse uh, 21, then Saul was told. When Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. This is a pretty incredible move of God. I want to see a move of God like this. You know, our nation needs a move of God like this. The world needs a move of God. Where they're just arrested. Some have called it a great awakening. Where you're just, you're just, you just awake to the reality of God. It's like, he's all around you. And all you can just do is go, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord is good. The Lord is wonderful. The Lord is, you know what I'm saying? You just get overwhelmed with it. Because he's all around you. He's so real to you. See, so many folks, they're just living in the natural. They're so unaware of the reality of him that he's even there. But you know he's there right there next to you right now. Did you know that? The Lord is right there in the chair with you right now. He's with you. He's all around you. Now, when we become aware of that, that's called being in the spirit. The more in the spirit you are, the more aware of the spirit you are. And the more aware you are of spiritual things. And so here God. The Holy Spirit is moving. In such a way that even these total heathens. 
become aware of him because his presence is so manifested. His presence is so tangible. They're overwhelmed. The second group comes. Same thing happens to them. And then they fall down. And then Saul sent messengers again the third time. And they prophesied also. So it wasn't like a, a, a flaky, fluky thing. Where it was like, you know, it happened to those guys. You know, he sent a couple messengers and they were just a bunch of flakos, you know. And it was a fluke. They just, that happened to them. I'll send, I'll send two other people. Well, you know, by the time he sent the third group, he's looking for the meanest nastiest, most ungodliest, bourbon-drinking, tobacco-spitting. I mean, something right out of a, a Western movie, you know. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. The, first he sent the good, then he sent the bad. Now here comes the ugly. These guys are ugly, man. <laughs> here they come. Do-do-do. And they get overwhelmed with God. They're out there worshiping Jesus, Jehovah. They're worshiping Jehovah. They're not coming back to Saul. Verse 22. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is as Saku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? You know he is, he is smoking. I mean smoking mad. He is mad. Where are they? And someone said, indeed, they're at Naoth and Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. So now the glory's gotten so strong, I mean, it's going out beyond the city. It's, it's going out beyond the city limits now. The power of God is in such manifestation. So we need to get a vision for this. Because I'm telling you, this is what needs to come. And folks need to get in faith about it. And when it comes, we need to know what to do. Because if it's happened, it will happen. It can happen again. Can you say amen? Verse 24. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied. Before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Now, some folks are unsure, you know. They say, well, you know, naked isn't talking about he was just actually naked, didn't have any clothes on. But he see, as the king, he wasn't dressed for public appearance. He had stripped off his royal robes. He had thrown aside all his dignity. He didn't care what anybody thought about him anymore. Nothing mattered. He wasn't a big deal anymore. God was everything. See, that's one thing that happens when you get in the presence of God. You've gotten in the presence of humility. Because our God is a humble God. And his humility will get on you. And you'll realize, you know, you're not such a big bad deal after all. And uh, the world doesn't revolve around you. And you're really not that impressive to everybody, so stop trying. You just really don't care because you're so impressed with him. It's like he is so amazing, you realize how of a nothing you are. 
See, becoming aware of him has a humbling effect on you. It just makes you, it makes you realize that apart from him, you are nothing. And you can do nothing. So you just, you don't try anymore. You're just like, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. It don't matter. You just put all that stuff away, and you're just like a little kid lying there on the ground. Just lying there on the ground. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. Overwhelmed by the power and presence of God. Man, we need that. We need that. And, of course, the book of Acts tells us that, uh, you know, if we'll repent and get things right with God, that he will send us times of refreshing from his presence. And so we need those times. I'm looking forward to this Friday night. I'm looking forward to getting in that glory. Let's believe God for great glory. Great manifestations, right? Because the greater the glory, the easier spiritual things are. The greater the glory, the easier it is to praise God. That's just, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. The greater the glory, the easier spiritual things are. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to hear from God. It's easy to receive healing. It's easy for people that aren't saved to get saved. It's, it's, it's easy for the backslider to get right with God. Hallelujah. Right? He talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14. Talks about when the whole church comes together and the Spirit gets to moving and folks are speaking in tongues and prophesying and the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation. He said, when an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, they're completely out of it spiritually. But when they get in that atmosphere, they're convicted by everybody. They're convicted by what's going on and they become so overwhelmed. The Bible says they'll run to the altar and fall down and worship God and then go out of here confessing that truly God is among you. God is in that place. God is in that church. Because he was touched and overwhelmed by the power of God. That's what we want. I mean, we want that every time we come together. We want that all the time. We want that in our houses. We want the cloud of God's glory to fill our houses. However, that's not always going to happen. Because he doesn't always come that way. Sometimes you've got to come to him. Sometimes we got to make the first move. But you see, again, a lot of times people are waiting for the, the rain. They're waiting for the river to carry them. They're waiting for, for the, they're waiting for the wave of the Spirit to propel them. They're waiting for the Spirit of God to move. They're waiting for something to happen spiritual before they do something spiritual. Or they get in a situation where they get into an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is moving. He moves in their life. He does things through them. He does things in them. He does things to them. And then it stops raining. It stops raining. And the waters recede. And now they're very aware of themselves more than they are of Him. Very self conscious. Very self conscious. See, again, when the Spirit's moving, we come into God consciousness. But when He's not moving, it's easy to just become very me-conscious, self-conscious, earthly-minded, very, very aware of everything that's going on around us, very aware of how my stomach feels right now, 
Very aware how my head feels right now. Very aware how my bottom feels right now sitting in this chair. Very aware of the temperature in the room. Very aware of all these natural things. The more in the spirit you are, the more you just lose sight of time. The more you lose sight of all these earthly things. I like that place. Well, thank God when we get to heaven, that's how it's going to be 24-7. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again because it rhymed. When we all get to heaven, that's how it's going to be 24-7. <laughs> Hallelujah. But while you're here on earth, I got news for you. It's not always going to be that way. And you're going to have to learn to rise up and uh, walk in the Spirit. See, a lot of times people are like a beached whale after the, after the move of the Spirit. Yeah, the Spirit moves and blesses them, and they're just, a, they're just they're like a dolphin out there, man. They're just out there spitting water, prophesying. I mean, they're just a swimming around. Jesus, praise God, hallelujah. You've seen them run around the room. All kinds of things, just, just swimming, swimming in the ocean, swimming, swimming, swimming in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for it. And then that water recedes. And, and I got news for you, here on planet Earth, it does recede. And you need to understand that. That's just how it works. Here on planet Earth, the water will recede. And it'll go out. And a lot of folks, once the water goes out, they get stuck in the sand. And they just, they just lie there. You know? And it's like, well, let's praise him. You know, they're like a fish out of water. They don't know what to do. Once the spirit's not moving, they don't know how to be spiritual. They don't know how to do anything in the spirit. It's like, let's praise him. Then sings my soul. It's sad, but true. People just get stuck. They just get stuck on the beach, and they just dry up. They just dry out. And they're not spiritual again until another wave comes. And they're just waiting. Life's depressing. Life's hard. It's hot. It's miserable. It feels sticky. It's just terrible. And then all of a sudden, a wave comes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And then they go back out there again. Then they're swimming, they're flowing, and they're going. Right? And then all of a sudden that wave just recedes. The water goes out. And there they are, just on the beach again. Carnal Monday, carnal Tuesday, carnal Wednesday, carnal Thursday, carnal Friday, carnal Saturday. And thank God for Sunday. If I could just get in church. <laughs> and they just, they just flop themselves over. They flop in the chair. And they wait for the water. They just wait for the water to come in. The pastor's over here. Bless God. He's opening the floodgates as best he can. He's just a preaching away. Praise God. Trying to, get the, trying to get the floodgates open. Just get the folks off the beach. Get them back out in the sea, man. See the world. Amen. 
You see, you and I were created to be amphibious. That's right. We were created to be able to function both on land as well as sea. That's how we were created to function. We're just not sea creatures. Now you take a fish, you take it out of the water, it's, it's done. It's just going to f- flip-flop all over the place. But, but you and I, we could go in the ocean. We could swim. We could scuba dive. Scuba dive. We could do all these different things. And then we could come out and then we could what? We can walk. Fish can't walk. So when the spirit isn't moving, then that's time for you and I to walk in the spirit. See? When the spirit isn't moving anymore, where it's carrying you, where it's just propelling you, it's just washing over you, when that's not happening, that doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean God left. It just means now it's time to walk in the Spirit. See? When you can't flow in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians. Let's go there. Galatians. Chapter 5. We don't have to wait around for the Spirit of God to move before you and I move in spiritual things. Did you get that? I said, we don't have to wait around for the Spirit of God to move before you and I walk in spiritual things. Galatians 5, verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Actually, let's put it in its context. Let's back up. He said in verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. See, that's what the flesh does. When you're in the flesh, there's all kinds of strife. Why? Because you're you're easily irritated when you're in the flesh. You know, when you're very conscious of natural things, you're more conscious of natural things than the Spirit of God and spiritual things, you know, you just get irritated quicker. It's just the way it is. And so here, these folks are biting, biting each other. He says, beware lest you consume one another. You destroy one another. I say then, what's the solution to this? Walk in the Spirit. Don't wait for the river. Don't wait for the ocean waves. Don't wait for a downpour of the Holy Ghost. Now be in faith about those things. Expect those things and move when the Spirit gets to move it. Flow with him. But move in spiritual things whether he's moving or not. Don't wait around. And sometimes that's the hardest thing is to walk in the spirit after you've been used to being moved by the spirit. Spirit of God will come on your life. He'll inspire you to do things. He'll inspire you to pray like you've never prayed before. He'll inspire you to get out there and make certain things happen. And you'll just be inspired. And then all of a sudden, that Spirit of God just lifts. And that inspiration goes away. And then people are like, they got no motivation. 
to do anything. They don't want to pray. I really don't care. I just don't feel it. Like, it's weird because just the last few whatever, I mean, I've been fired up about brain. I've been fired up. But now it's like it's just, uh, I don't know. Well, maybe that purpose was accomplished. The Spirit of God came upon you for a purpose. That purpose was accomplished. Now what do you do? Well, I don't know. Well, you better know. You better know. How about rising up and motivating yourself now? Huh? Yeah, motivate yourself. See, a lot of times folks are always waiting around for somebody else to motivate them. Now, thank God you're getting motivated tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. See, the Spirit's moving. The Spirit of God is moving through the pastor tonight. And he's motivating you. Amen. In spiritual things. He's getting your mind on heavenly things. That's what's, that's what's happening tonight. But you see, now, what about you being able to motivate you tomorrow morning? What about you staying on yourself? And keeping yourself stirred up. In the Holy Ghost. What about going over to the well of the Word of God and just drawing out water for yourself? Now, that's work, isn't it? See, rain this falls on you. But if you go over to a well to get that water, it's not going to fall on you. It's down in the well. You're going to have to get something down in there and draw it up and out. And then you're going to have to put it to your mouth and drink it. And you're going to have to pour it on yourself and wash yourself and refresh yourself. And friend, I got news for you. If you want to be skillful in spiritual things, then you better start getting good at refreshing yourself in the spirit daily. Because you got to do it. Because if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. I mean, it might happen if the spirit of God wills. But if he isn't willing to move that way, that's not his purpose. That's not what he wants to do. You're like a fish out of the water. You're drying up on the beach. And thus you're just going to live a very carnal, fleshy life. You don't want to live a very carnal, fleshy life. You want to know how to draw out the water. You want to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. You need to know how to stir yourself up. Because there are some faith battles in life where where's God? Where is the Spirit of God? And he's not there. He's there, but yet he's not in manifestation. He's not moving on your behalf. You need to move towards him. See, sometimes God moves and and comes upon you, and then other times you got to go to him. And sometimes you don't know exactly where he is, so you got to go searching. And you got to start searching around. You got to start looking for him. You got to start seeking. And he said, yes, seek and you will find. Knock. Keep on knocking and it'll be open to you. Press in and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Walk in the spirit. Thank God for swimming in the spirit. Thank God for flowing in the spirit. But we also need to walk in the spirit. When there's no ride, there's no ride to take you there. You're going to have to be willing to walk. You can't just sit there at the bus stop. Well, I'm just going to sit here and wait for the next bus to come. 
That's not God's purpose for your life. A lot of time is going to be wasted. A lot of things are going to be missed. If you're just sitting at the bus stop, waiting for the Spirit of God to move and swoop you up and take you to your next destination. No, the next time he gets to move him, let him catch you already moving yourself by faith. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, you see these hitchhikers. You sometimes you wonder about these hitchhikers, you know. They're just standing. They got their, they got their little uh, sleeping bag and a few things, and they're just standing there. Just waiting for somebody to, to pick them up, you know. And I always thought, you know, why, why, why don't you go ahead and put that thing on and just, why don't you do this? You know, sometimes you see people like this, they're walking, you know. They'll let you know, hey, I'd like a ride, but if you're not going to pick me up, I'm going to keep moving. Right? And then they end up, they end up getting somewhere. Rather than just standing there, waiting for, hoping some car comes by and picks them up. Well, there's no guarantee somebody will. And then at the end of the day, where have they gone? They've gone nowhere. They've gone nowhere. Now they're sitting out there. They're not even by the exit ramp. They're just out there in the middle of the highway. There's no Denny's. There's nothing. At least if they kept moving, they might have gotten to a cracker barrel or something and a Motel 6 where they could have spent the night. But they're just standing there. We don't want to just be standing there waiting. Come by me, O Lord. Come by me. O Lord, come by us. Come on. Someone's praying, my Lord. Kumbaya. Someone's praying, my Lord. Kumbaya. Baya. Kumbaya. Oh, Lord. Kumbaya. How many people were Catholics in your last life? So, you know, only a few people know what we're talking about. That's a, that's, a, that's a song we sang in the Catholic Church. Did anybody else know that as a Baptist? You, ever hear, you knew Kumbaya? You, 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 it wasn't a Baptist song, but you knew about it. All right. Praise God. You learn something new every night you come to church. Isn't that wonderful? We are running out of time. Are you there tonight? Hallelujah. All right, so he says, I say in verse 16, I say that walk in the Spirit, and watch, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Get yourself walking in spiritual things. Make yourself spiritual. When God doesn't come in and arrest your attention and make you overwhelmed and aware of him, then you make yourself aware of him and you speak the word of God and say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I abide under the shadow of the most high. Glory be to God, no weapon formed against me. He's given his angels charge over me. They surround me. Amen. Declare the word of God. Declare the promises of God. Make yourself aware of him. You do it. Great when he comes and does it, but when he's not doing it, you're doing it. And I think if, we're, if we would do it a lot and really get skillful at it, at doing that, walk it in the Spirit, then when the Spirit gets to moving, 
I mean, think about it. If you're good at being spiritual when it's as dry as a desert spiritually around you, there's nothing assisting you. There's nothing helping you. It's just you and your flesh. And you've got to rise. You, the real you, has to rise up over that flesh and take control of that. And you turn your atmosphere into a God-conscious atmosphere. You become aware of him, and you live keeping yourself aware of him. What's going to happen when he comes in and he moves in your life? If you can be aware of him then, what do you think you're going to be like then? This is a lifestyle. We need to understand these things so that we're not just sitting there spiritually, just, just walking natural, 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 natural. And, you know, some of you are good. You'll, you'll squirt just like, the, just like the beached whale. You'll shoot some water out once in a while. A little water of the word, a little, little leftover will come out. You just squirt. But, you're, you know, you're really not going anywhere. You just get on the beach. Just a little squirt here and there. Devil comes to mess with you. You start squirting him. Well, thank God for that. But that's not good enough. Get up! Get up, you beached whale! Get up! Stop waiting for God to bless you and start blessing yourself in the name of the Lord your God. Because that's what he says you should do over in Isaiah. Isaiah 65. Verse 16. So that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself. Everybody say bless himself. See, when you're in the earth and it feels earthly all around you, it doesn't feel like the rain of God's blessings coming down on you. You need to know how to bless yourself. Don't keep sitting there saying, oh, God bless me. God bless me. Now, how about me bless me in the name of God? I just bless myself right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to bless myself in the name of the Lord my God. I'm going to bless myself speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of truth. He shall bless himself in the God of truth. And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth. And God's word is truth. We're speaking the truth of God's word. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be cursed. See, that, that has to be your response when, some, when curses come. It feels like you're cursed. It feels, it feels, it just feels like the enemy's all around you. What do you do? Bless yourself. Bless yourself. Yeah, I'm too blessed to be cursed. I'm too blessed to be cursed. And I'm a blessing going somewhere to happen. That's right. You're not, you're not, you're not this mess that's going out there biting and devouring and consuming. You're going out there blessing. God's not moving, but you are. You're moving by faith. And you're ready to bless somebody. Why don't you just become a move of God for somebody? Why don't you just become a move of God? Can you become a move of God for somebody? Well, that's what it is over. It says over in Mark 16. Mark the 16th chapter. Jesus, he left. He said, hasta la vista, baby. He took off, went up into heaven, left his disciples. There they were. Jesus left them. Now, there they were without Jesus. 
to tell them everything. To tell them what to do. Tell them where to go. Tell them this is what we're going to do today, boys. They didn't have to do anything. Jesus tell them everything. They get up and, all right, guys, let's go. Let's get up. We're going to Jerusalem. Oh, okay. Come on. We're going to Jerusalem. Follow, you follow Jesus, you follow in the Spirit, right? You follow God, you're, you're, you're being led by spiritual things. You're following Jesus. So they did three years of following Jesus all over the place. Now Jesus leaves. He's gone. And he says to them in Mark 16, he tells them, go. Go into all the world. Verse 15. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. No, he didn't say, and these signs will go before you. Thank God for signs and wonders going before us. That's wonderful. The children of Israel had that when they came out of Egypt, right? I mean, they had the, the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and it was going before them, and it was leading them. They would just, they would just follow on the cloud, just follow on the cloud. And miracles were happening, and food was falling out of heaven like rain. I mean, it was just miracle after miracle after miracle. But none of those people knew how to walk by faith for themselves. They were completely dependent on someone else doing everything for them. Well, you see, remember, they were slaves in Egypt. They had no lives of their own. Now they're out there, and they're not, they're not getting it. God's telling them, all right, guys, now you got this. Now this is this. You're going to go in, and you're going to take that land. I had that land for you, but you're going to take out your sword, and you're going to go in there, and you're going to fight, and you're going to take possession of that land. You're going to dispossess the inhabitants of those lands. Do you understand that? Like, we can't do that. We can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. We can't do that. We're just little grasshoppers. We can't do anything. We can't do anything. They can't do it. And so all those people just died in the wilderness. God just raining on them, raining on them, raining on them. And they just died out there because they could never get up themselves and do the right thing on their own. Couldn't just make the right decisions themselves. Couldn't just do the right thing. God carried them in the wilderness. The Bible says that. He carried them for 40 years. He carried them. But the next generation came and he stopped carrying them. And he said, go walk. Go walk. Go march. Go take the land. And they went. And you know what's interesting? The group that came out of the group, the group that came out of Egypt, the Red Sea split in front of them. And they walked across it. But the group that is going into the promised land, the Bible says the priests had to go step down into the river. They walked into it before it split. It didn't actually split, but it stopped flowing down and it dried up in front of them. But they walked into it. And when their feet walked into it, then the water stopped. See, they're leading. They're leading. And what's happening? God is now following. God is now following them. And that's when things start happening. God carried them. That was beautiful time of blessing. But for things to actually happen where they're destroying the, the works of the devil, they're destroying Satan's kingdom, for things to really happen... God needed to follow them. And that's what happens here. They're following Jesus for three years. And now he's saying, guys, you're going to go destroy the works of the devil. You're going to go into all the world and preach this gospel. And the Bible says, verse 19, so that after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. The waters receded and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out. Thank God they didn't just sit there on the mountain. Remember earlier on when they were on a, a certain mountain? 
And Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus. And Peter came out and said, Lord, it's good that we're all here. Let's build, some, let's build a couple tabernacles and one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just all camp out right here. But they didn't do that this time. They went out everywhere. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. Watch this. The Lord working with them. Not them working with the Lord. See, if it said they were working with the Lord, that means the Lord is leading and they're following. It doesn't say that. The Lord is working with them. He's following them now. He's following them now. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. In other words, it's a confirmation of what they're doing. He's not doing things in front of them. He's doing things behind them. He's following them. So it's not like the Lord left you. Here's the point. It's not like the Lord left you. It's just now he's behind you. When the Spirit gets to moving, he's initiating things. He's manifesting himself before you. And to you. And it's blessing you. He's raining up, down upon you. He's picking you up. He's carrying you. We need times like that. We learn things in times like that. But we live walking by faith. Did you get that? We live walking by faith. Not flowing in the move of God. So we get up. We walk, Spirit of God follows us. We walk into a move of God. Spirit of God gets to moving. There's impartations, there's revelations, there's manifestations, there's transformations. We walk out, we take what we got, and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, using our faith, speaking to our atmosphere, speaking to our conditions. We're taking charge. Feels like God isn't there, but that's okay because we walk by faith and not by sight. And we're going to go ahead and walk in the Spirit even though it feels like the Spirit's nowhere to be found. We know He's here. He's right behind us. And as we walk in the Spirit, He's going to confirm everything we say, everything we do. He's going to back us up. You can count on it. He's going to back us up and He's going to bring about the blessings that we are blessing ourselves and others with. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, yes, Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website, again, is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888 888- Five four two two five five five. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.